Welcome to Stories of New Beginnings. I'm here with Michelle Mock. Appreciate you being here. Welcome. Telling your story. Uh, Michelle, how long have you known me? Well, Brother Pastor Mark, I would say since I was born. Why is that? Because uh, you're my brother. That's right. Some people <laughs> might not know that, that you are my sister. Uh, so I thought maybe we could start with, uh, tell us the story of the time you punched me in the face. Oh. You don't have to tell me the story. <laughs> I'll tell the story uh, in my own way, uh, but maybe you maybe you could just let the people know, uh, did I deserve it or did you overreact? The short answer, yes, yes and no. <laughs> okay. Yes, you did deserve it. And all the times you tried to kill me, I would say, yeah, that was a, a good response. Would you say that we have a good relationship now, just in case anyone's concerned? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I would say all right. we, we worked through it all. Yes. All right. Would it also be fair to say that uh, every, every heartache that you have experienced in life, that we've gone through it together? I'd say yes. Uh, we've been through a lot of rough times, but it has been a blessing to go through those things together. Yeah. And not everyone knows our story, right? So we've, we've lost our parents. Um, we almost lost our daughter, Faith. You did lose your daughter, Mia. So we've been through some heartache in, in life. And we've, we've gone through those things together. Um, I would describe those moments, those seasons of life as a broken heart. And something that I've noticed about you is this quiet strength that you have. You have a steadfast resilience as you've walked through some pretty deep waters. Where does that come from? First of all, I'd say by God's grace. And then I've been blessed with a great support system um, in my life, it's always been there for me and has spoken truth into my life, as well as uh, faithful people in my life, too, that have been, like our parents and our grandparents, that have been uh, a great example to follow. What would you say to people sitting here this morning who are dealing with a broken heart? Like, they're, they're in it. They're in the deep water right now. Well, you may want to delay your sermon. Because mm. I got a couple points here, but okay. I'll try to keep it brief. All right. Uh, number one, I would say that no matter what comes your way, no matter what circumstance you face, no matter how deep the pain or how hopeless the situation is, that God is there. He loves you, and there's lessons that you can learn all, along the way. Uh, another thing would be that uh, if you choose to focus on your pain or your loss or the circumstance that, that you're in for long periods of time, you can miss the blessings that God has for you while your heart is still breaking. Um, another thing would be uh, what you're going through is part of God's greater plan. It may be to teach you something. It may to be to grow your perseverance. But it may be to touch someone else's life because, as we all know, life isn't about us. And the last thing I would say that a lot of times you may not completely understand why that you go through the things that you go through, but we're just called to trust God with our broken heart and that to strive for the heart that says, Thy will be done. Really appreciate you sharing your heart and sharing your story with us. I think I'm going to save the story of you punching me in the face for another day. <laughs> I think people will enjoy that uh, maybe another time. All right. All right. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. morning. 
So I sat through that interview, didn't cry. I uh, put the video together and didn't cry, and then for some reason just kind of hit me there. I appreciate Michelle doing that. If, uh, if you are hoping to hear the rest of the story of her punching me in the face and all of her anger problems that she has, uh, you're going to have to wait another day. We're not talking about anger today. We're not talking about uh, reconciliation today. We are talking about new beginnings in our sorrow. New beginnings uh, in, in restoring uh, joy to a broken heart. The theme verse for this series is on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And if you haven't yet memorized the verse, I would encourage you, challenge you again to be working on memorizing that verse. Uh, this would be a really great week to start if you haven't already, because we're going to spend some time this morning unpacking the gospel truth in that verse and around that verse. We're going to spend a little bit of time in 2 Corinthians this morning talking about uh, the the, the gospel-centered truth that we find and, and how is it that we can find new beginnings and, and restoration of joy in our sorrow. If I were to just have a private conversation with each one of you, and if I were to ask you, have you ever, have you ever had a broken heart? I don't imagine, I just can't imagine that I would find too many no's to that question. I think, I think we all, it's, at some point in our life, have experienced the heartbreak of death. Uh, we've, I'm sure most of us have experienced the heartbreak of rejection or the heartbreak of a broken relationship. Sometimes our hearts are broken it's uh, in, a, in a series of disappointments, like it's not just this one kind of crisis moment, but it's... It's one thing after another, after another, after another, and they kind of stack up on each other, and we get to this point where it's like, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord. The car won't start. Your team loses the big game. You go to get the milk out of the fridge. It's expired. The friend that you thought you could count on bails on you, and it's like all in one day, just one thing after another. And you just kind of look up and say, Lord, I've... I, I, I've had enough. I can't take any more. No more. And you feel, you feel this sense of a broken heart type of sadness. I think most of us, again, if I were to just have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with you, most of us would say, yeah, I, I know what it feels like to have a broken heart. But here's something I've noticed just about people in general. Not everyone knows how to mend a broken heart. Not everyone knows how to restore joy to a broken heart. There's lots of people around us, and, and maybe it's you. There's lots of people that just live every day in that sorrow, and they don't know how to get out of it. They don't know how to climb out of that darkness. They just get stuck. They wish they could have joy restored to their hearts, but they don't, they don't know where to find it. They don't know... Uh, how to let the sorrow behind and move back into a place of joy in life. We want to talk about that this morning. 
and hopefully it'll be helpful to you. Maybe it will be helpful to someone else that needs to hear uh, this message of, of hope and joy that you can then pass on to them. In fact, that's where I want to start. If you would join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, what a great reminder of where our comfort comes from, where joy, the restoration of joy comes from, but also uh, your responsibility, my responsibility to, to not only receive that from God, but to pass it on others who need to hear this message of hope. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul starts this book, he starts this letter by talking about comfort. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Just pause on that. If you walk away with nothing else today but that one gospel truth, that God is our source of comfort. It may be that you have been looking for comfort somewhere other than God, maybe within yourself, trying to uh, just uh, work your way into a place of joy and happiness and just trying to be tough and, and push through it, or, or maybe you've been looking for comfort in, in distraction, in uh, self-medication. There's all kinds of things that people do to try to comfort themselves I just remind you that the source of all comfort, sustaining actual uh, comfort that can soothe and mend a broken heart, comes from God. No other place. And He comforts us in all of our troubles. And then I love the rest of verse 4. It reminds us that life's not all about you. It's not all about me. When we receive comfort from God, we're able also then to comfort others. It says, uh, He comforts us in all of our troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. It's interesting to me that Paul starts off this letter to the, the church in Corinth by talking about comfort with no explanation. Uh, no, no. Uh, he doesn't jump in and say, guys, I'm really struggling uh, with this, this, and that, and, but I've received comfort. He kind of does it in a reverse order. He sets up this gospel truth that our source of comfort comes from God, but then he does fill us in on what's been going on in his life. In verse 8, he then explains why he needed this comfort. He says, we think you ought to know, in verse 8, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Listen to the way he describes his experience in life. You might be able to relate. He says, uh, we were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. That's deep water. That's deep sorrow. That is, that's uh, more than a bad day that the car broke down and the milk is expired. Right? This, is, this is deep stuff. When someone describes their situation or their heart, their, their life experience as being crushed, overwhelmed to the point where they don't think they're going to be able to make it, and that's where he was. He says this next in the next sentence, but as a result, as a result of going through that, 
we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. It was because he went through the deep water that he learned that he didn't have the strength in himself. He had to rely on the strength and the comfort, the sustaining grace of God. And it was in the deep water, it was in the, the valley that he learned that lesson. He's the one who, I love that rest of that sentence, he raises the dead. What an important point to know that he's got the power to raise the dead. He has the power to help us through whatever we're walking through. Paul starts this letter by focusing in on comfort and God being the source of comfort. He talks about some of the hardship that that he experienced, the stress in his life that left him feeling like, I don't think I can go one more step. I don't know if I can make it one more day. This is too much. And I just want to start with that simple truth, just the simple reminder that God loves you. And it's not a platitude. It's not a cliche. God genuinely loves you and cares about you, and he wants to be your source of comfort. I think sometimes people have a wrong expectation or an unrealistic expectation of God in this sense. I think some people walk through life and their expectation is that God is supposed to. Like, I'm, I'm a good person. I do the right thing. I showed up on Sunday. I put some money in the offering plate. You know, I didn't cuss anybody out when they sat in my seat. Like, I, I'm, I'm a good person. Therefore, God should should prevent my heart from ever being broken, right? There are people who that's the line of thought that they have. That's the conclusion that they have about God. That's the way that they think life should work. As long as I do the right thing and uh, don't make God mad, I should never experience a broken heart. And if I do, well, now I'm mad at God. Why did you allow this to happen? And it almost like an offense offended by God. So if your expectation is that, that God is supposed to prevent you from having a broken heart, you will be sorely disappointed in life because that's not what God does. God promises to be the source of our comfort. God promises that He will walk through the deep valley and, and, and He'll be with us. His presence will be with us in, in the deep water. He'll be our sustaining strength and the grace that we need. He never makes a promise that our hearts will never be broken. In that video, Michelle mentioned some of the things that happen in our sorrow that are good for us. And Paul mentions them uh, here in, in these verses. He talks about... Uh, his experience where he expected to die and he felt overwhelmed, but as a result, he stopped relying on himself and, and learned to rely on God. His, his faith was tested. His faith was strengthened. He experienced the tender comfort of God. And then he said, not only did it bless me, but it also gave him and, and his companions the opportunity when we experience the comfort of God to be able to comfort others. That patient endurance, that strengthened faith, these are all things that Paul looks at and said, as a result of what I went through, here's what I gained. I want to move ahead to chapter 4 now, 
in verse 7. In verse 7, he talks about a shining light in our hearts. And what he's referring to, the, the beginning part of chapter 4, he's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we trust Jesus as our forgiver of sin, our Savior from hell, the leader of our life, He indwells us. His Spirit indwells us. And He describes that as the light of Christ, the light of the gospel now lives in us. And so that's what He's referring to in verse 7. We now, because of Jesus, because of faith in Christ, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And it makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. It talks about this, this incredible treasure inside us. What's the treasure? It's the gospel. The gospel truth that if you are saved by faith in Jesus, you are carrying around with you, inside you every day, this treasure, this this. Uh, Invaluable treasure of the truth of the gospel. It's interesting how he describes us. He describes us as this fragile jar of clay. And in Paul's day, these clay, clay jars, they were, they were cheap. They were breakable, replaceable. They were expendable. They were common. They were weak. And it's an interesting analogy because in Paul's day, sometimes people would take a clay jar that was used for common purpose. A lot of times they would use them to put garbage in or even sometimes even for human waste. They had these common everyday purposes. And if they broke, no big deal. Just get rid of it. Not a, not a, not a problem. And sometimes people would put valuable things. They would hide valuable things inside the clay jar because who's going to think to look in this common clay jar? We do that today, right? You hide it in the cookie jar. No one's going to find it. Uh, in the cookie jar, right? Sometimes people do that even today. But it's an interesting analogy, and his point in using it is this. We're weak. We are common. We are powerless. We are breakable. But inside, every believer is this invaluable treasure, the truth of the gospel, that the death of Jesus provides forgiveness of sins. His his resurrection power provides eternal life, and, and we receive that through faith in Christ. And because of that gospel truth, what does that mean for us? Well, it means we're forgiven. It means that we are loved. It means that we are chosen. It means that we are eternally secure, that we are known by God, that we are cared for by God, that we are comforted by God, sustained and strengthened by God, that we are part of a greater purpose, we're part of a greater family. All of these are gospel truths that restore joy to a broken heart. And Paul's point, when he says that uh, this is not from ourselves, this whole, this whole idea that these, these uh, vessels that we're in, they're, they're breakable, we're, we're weak, but there's this treasure inside. Every time the gospel sustains us, we go through deep water, we experience sorrow, and the gospel truth, our relationship with God through Jesus, every time that that restores joy to our lives and sustains joy in our lives, it's proof that the gospel is true. It's proof that God is, is the power in our lives, that it's not us. 
I love what he describes in these next few verses. He says in verse 8, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We, we get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. He talks about just our life experiences. Sometimes we, we've experienced life in a way that we, we feel the pressure. We are, he says, hard-pressed on every side. We, we feel this pressure to accomplish. We feel this pressure to perform, this, this pressure to be awesome and prove ourselves. And he says, but we don't have to let that pressure crush us. He uses the word perplexed. Sometimes we go through life and, and there are moments, there are seasons, there are events in our lives that just perplex us. We don't, there's like this long list of questions that we don't seem to have satisfying answers to. Things that kind of make our heads shake in confusion. And, and we experience like this heartbreaking disappointment and we say, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand this, Lord. He says, but even though there are things in life that perplex us, we don't have to live in despair. And sometimes we'll be persecuted, he says. Not everyone, you ready for this? Prepare yourself. This might be an absolute shock. You're like, what? Yeah. Not everyone thinks you're awesome. They don't. Not everyone thinks that you're the best thing. And that's okay. They don't have to. In fact, what Jesus told us was if you and I, if we choose to live a Jesus-centered life every day and we choose to hold fast to a biblical worldview, you can guarantee that there are going to be people that are not uh, on, on the fan club of whatever your name is, right? They're, they're not fans of Team Bob or Team Mark or whatever. People that you thought were your friends may drop you. People in your life that uh, you go to work with or you go to school with might not want to eat lunch with you or maybe they'll make fun of you. You may find yourself experiencing heartbreaking isolation because of your faith. That may happen. But remember, Paul says, you are never, ever, ever abandoned by God. Everyone else may want to leave you in the dust, but you will never be abandoned by God. And he uses that phrase, struck down or knocked down. Life has a way of doing that to us sometimes. Life has a way of knocking us down. People can be cruel. People in power can be ruthless. Sometimes little sisters overreact and just punch you in the face because they don't want to play the I'm not touching you game. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Whack! Sometimes life punches us in the face and we get knocked down. But because of Jesus, because of our relationship with God through Him, we're not destroyed. And when, when we know that, when we know it cannot destroy us, whatever it is, fear is removed from our lives. We don't have to be consumed uh, by fear. It can't control us. If we know no matter what, God's got us. No matter what, the worst that can happen, 
on the other side of this life, we'll be with Jesus forever. You may hear all of that and think, ah, oh, man, I wish I had that. How is that even possible to live life like that? Well, Paul talks about it. He starts in verse 10. Let me read it again. Through suffering. So through, through these seasons of life, of sorrow, of suffering, of trouble, when we feel the pressure and we get knocked down, all of these things, when we go through that, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. He's just taking us back to the gospel truth and where our comfort comes from, where our strength comes from, where our courage comes from. Where are you relying to find those things? If it's in you, you're going to hit bottom quicker than you want. You're going to hit empty way faster than you want. But when we're trusting in God, Everything that we need is in Him. He says, yet we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that life, so the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise, with Jesus, raise us with Jesus, present us to Himself together with you. He keeps driving us back to this gospel truth of our relationship with God through Christ. All of this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. This is why we never give up. We'll pause there for a moment. He's talking about this gospel treasure that if you're a believer, you carry around with you every day, everywhere you go. And it causes us, if we remember the gospel truth that we carry with us, this treasure inside of us, if we remember to come back to it, it overflows our heart with thanksgiving and glory to God. And I would use that as our definition of joy. Sometimes joy gets connected to happiness as if they are synonymous, as if they're the same word, and they're not. Happiness has to do with our circumstances. It's directly connected to what we're experiencing in the moment. But joy isn't. Joy is not supposed to be connected to our circumstances. If you think of joy in this sense, if joy is a heart, that is overflowing with thanksgiving and glory to God, well, then it's not connected to the circumstance. It's not determined by the circumstance. It's, con- it's determined and connected uh, to our relationship with God through Jesus. And the gospel tells us that, does, that can't be interrupted by our circumstances. And the results of this understanding of joy as a heart that is overflowing with thanksgiving and glory to God, he said, that's why I don't give up. That's why I don't lose heart. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. There's our theme verse. For our present troubles are small. They won't last very long, and yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Listen to this. So we don't look at our troubles 
that we can see now. We don't stay, uh, we don't fix our gaze on our troubles. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. The things that we see now, the stuff that we're going through in this, in this moment, in this season of sorrow, this season of trouble, it'll soon be gone. It's not forever. But the things that we cannot see, those things, those things last forever. And because of that, we don't lose heart. We fix our eyes on what's not seen. What's not seen? Well, this whole chapter, starting in chapter 1 and then repeated here in chapter 4, this, this gospel treasure that lives inside of us. He, the writer of Hebrews uh, wrote it this way. He writes, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him, Jesus experienced joy from the cross. How is that possible? Think about the most agonizing, torturous death imaginable, and yet experienced joy? Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when we're going through it, whatever it is that is causing us to feel this tremendous pressure or, or a broken heart, Hebrews says, consider him who has endured such opposition. Remember Jesus. Remember what Jesus went through and the joy that he stayed focused on because what he was doing on the cross was, was rescuing our souls. Remember what Jesus did for us. And if you remember that, if you stay focused on Jesus, if you and I stay focused on this treasure of the gospel, the result is you will not grow weary, you will not lose heart. It is the key to restoring joy to a broken heart. I sat down with another lady in our church family who is living out this gospel truth. She has hidden this treasure of the gospel inside of her, and it is restoring joy to her broken heart. And I want you to hear her story next. Welcome to Stories of New Beginnings. I'm here with Melissa Cleveland. Uh, thanks so much for being here to tell your story and to share your heart today. Thank you for having me. It's been said that you can discover a lot about a person by the kind of cookie that they like the most. So what kind of cookie is your favorite and why? That's a hard one because I'm not a big cookie person. <laughs> that tells us something about you too, you know that. <laughs> I'm a big chocolate person. All right, well it's okay if you're a chocolate fan, we'll, we'll accept that. I love gingerbread cookies. Gingerbread, all yes. right. Just the flavor of it or is there a nostalgic yes. reason nope. for No, I just love gingerbread cookies, but they have to be nice and soft. You like soft, not yes, hard. Not right. So we've learned something about Melissa today. <laughs> well, the reason I brought that up is you probably have heard the phrase, that's the way the cookie, the cookie crumbles. That's a common phrase. And people use it sometimes when bad things happen and it's outside of our control. I think what it means is we just have to accept the way things are. We might wish that they were different, but they're not and we can't change it and we just have to deal with it. It's a little bit of a callous saying, uh, but you probably have heard it. I look at your life, especially over this past year, and you've been through a lot. Uh, you've been through just a level of sorrow that most people will never relate to. You lost your husband, you lost your son, both uh, to suicide. 
And yet what I've seen in you is you still get out of bed every day. You still have a smile on your face. You still help lead worship here at Grace Fellowship. And so I guess what I'm wondering is, do you get up every day and just say to yourself, eh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles? Or is there something, is there some other source of strength? Is there some other place that your joy is coming from? And if so, where? Well, sometimes you do feel sorry for yourself. And you say, you know, this stinks, this is life. You know, but if I have that attitude every day, I'm not going to enjoy life very much. And the first, after my husband passed away, I don't know how I did it. I mean, I do know how I did it. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I just have the strength of Jesus in my life. But there were many, many days and still are many, many days where I just ask for it out loud. You know, I, and maybe that's just me. Maybe some people are like, well, I can get up and I can feel the Holy Spirit. But I need to sometimes say, okay, God, I'm challenged today. Or not challenged today. I just have to get out of bed today. But I need you to give me that extra measure of strength. And he gives it. You ask and he gives it. And I know there are people that are maybe weaker in their faith or don't understand that. But I'm telling you, if you ask, he will supply what would you say to someone sitting here today that is just going through it? They're in the deep waters right now. They've got a broken heart. What would you say to that person? That God has strengthened their relationship with Jesus. You're going to have a void in your life. Let me put it this way. Everybody believes in something. Hmm. I, I don't care if you claim to be an atheist or an agnostic. Everybody believes in something. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you feel you can get through life yourself. But everything except Jesus is going to fail you. You're going to fail you. If you believe in your own strength, you're going to fail you. Because you don't have it. And you're going to have this huge empty void in your life that nothing is going to fill. And the sad thing is, is as we all know, people try to fill that void with worldly things. And they don't all have to be bad worldly things, you know, I mean, it could be, I'm going to fill myself with extra chocolate today, you know, and I'm not going to tell you I don't fill myself with extra chocolate on many days. But if you don't fill that void with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to make it. You're just, you're not going to make it. And God gives grace. God gives strength. And you have to ask for it sometimes. It's not that he doesn't supply it, I don't think, because he knows your heart and he knows how you feel. But sometimes saying it out loud and saying, and I'll tell you something else. Suicide is a bad thing. It never ends with an I love you. It always ends with regrets. And you can take those regrets and put them on yourself and say, well, if I had done this or I'm guilty of not doing that or if I had gotten there earlier, you can't, you can't go to that because that's where Satan wants to take us. The enemy is, oh, is he alive? And he wants us, he wants us bad. And I'm seeing it in this world. I'm seeing it even clearer now that I've lost my husband and my son. And there are days when I just have to tell Satan, get back where you belong, you know? Yeah. And you have to say that sometimes out loud too. Yeah. And tell him. And, you, and sometimes you have to ask God and say, these thoughts that are creeping into my head are directly from Satan. Please take them out of my head. And he does. He grants that grace. 
because I'm not going to go back to those days. You know, that's where Satan wants us. He wants us in the past. He wants us in our sorrow. He wants us in our misery. God doesn't want us there. God wants us over here in the light. You know, so we can be there, but it's a choice. It's a conscious choice. But you just see how God can take something so horrible and say, no, 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 I'm going to use it for my glory. Look at this, you know. So if it's me talking to somebody, if it's me sharing with somebody, I'm going to use it to glorify God, period. So, and I just wanted to share that. Really appreciate you sharing your story with us. No problem. Thank you for sharing your heart. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Guys, that's what it looks like to live what we just read. That's someone who's walking through it and experiencing in real life this hidden treasure of the gospel in her everyday life, going through a level of sorrow that I can't even imagine. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. God is offering you, He's offering me new beginning in our sorrow. He He wants to comfort you. He wants to strengthen your faith. God wants to restore joy to the broken heart. And so if you don't yet have this gospel treasure living inside you yet, today, right now, you can agree with God that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And you can trust Jesus Christ as your forgiver of sin, as your Savior from hell, as the leader of your life. You can pray right now and ask God for forgiveness and believe that that Jesus' death on the cross paid for your sin, that His resurrection from the dead proves His victory over sin and over death, proving His, His, His power is the only way for us to receive eternal life and a transformed life. So whether today, in this moment, if you pray that right here, right now, and this is the first moment that you've ever experienced that hidden treasure of the gospel inside your heart as the Holy Spirit indwells you through faith in Christ, if like this is the first moment that's ever happened for you, or if you've been carrying around this treasure for years, the next time your heart is broken, and maybe it's not today, but it will be, remember this treasure of the gospel because it's inside you. Every day, it's what will mend your broken heart. It's what will restore your joy. It's what connects you to the God of all comfort, the God who loves you so much He sent His Son to die for you, the God who will not abandon you. This resurrection power of Jesus, it doesn't weaken over time. And because of that, we walk through life with this confidence that we are forgiven We are loved, we are chosen, we are eternally secure, known by God, cared for by God, comforted by God, sustained and strengthened by God. All of this through the one who defeated death and made these new beginnings an everyday reality for those who trust in Jesus.